Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Monday, and we are posting an instant classic for your inspiration. This message may come from anywhere around the globe, but is sure to stay with you for years to come. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Amen. Good to be in the house of God. Can somebody say amen? I want to say, first of all, I want to thank Pastor Campbell my pastor for the opportunity and the privilege to be able to preach in the Bible conference. I never take it lightly to stand behind another man's pulpit, amen, but I believe God's going to get, what an incredible conference we're having. Can somebody say amen this morning? Great preaching, every message, every man that stand behind the pulpit, amen. God's been speaking, God's been saying something. I'm just going to try this morning my best, amen, to add to what God's already doing, amen. First Kings chapter 19. And I want to preach, amen, a sermon called Hope in the Dark this morning. I was thinking about this because I said, God, I said, we need men. God, not just to get saved and we need them to stay saved, God, but we need men, God, when they go in the field, God, fight to stay in the field. Is anybody here this morning? I know there's going to be attacks, there's going to be assaults, but I want to tell you something. There is hope if you will stay in the field, God will help you. There was an author, a historian by the name of Studs Terkel. And what happened one in his oral history of World War II, the Good War, he begins to relate this experience. This experience he begins to speak about, about a, uh, a young man by the name of David Milton. He was actually the age, he was 18 years old, and he was a, mer- he was a merchant seaman and aboard a ship. This happened in, 19, in 1942, Milton, he's telling the story, and he's saying that at one time he's on the ship and he's transporting Sherman tanks, he's trying to go from one place, he's going across into Europe. While he is doing this, in the middle of the Atlantic, as, he, as he's going across, and all of a sudden, it begins to get dark, the storm begins to rush in, and while they're in the middle of them trying to um, cross over to Europe, the cable snaps inside of the ship. There were actually um, Sherman tanks that were in there, I don't know the, the exact amount of amount that were in there, but I know they weighed between 20 to 30 tons altogether. They said that when the cable broke and, the, and it snapped, all of a sudden these, uh, these tanks began to slide to the left and to the right. They said that one, it, when it would slide to the left, it would hit the hull. Then it would slide to the other side and it would hit the back of the ship. They said as it's doing this, it began to break apart the ship. They're saying to themselves, man, we're this dark, we're in the middle of this storm, the ship is breaking apart, and they were in this convoy, and so they decided, you know what, let us somehow pull out of the convoy and pull away. They pull out of the convoy, and then while they're doing this, these men that are above, they go, look, we have to go down and take control of these Sherman tanks. They said these men, they jumped on these Sherman tanks. They said it was like, they were like cowboys. They're sliding back and forth, and they're passing cables. He said eventually, they were able to run the cables through and secure all the Sherman tanks. I was reading this story, and I said, man, God, I said, this reminds me many times of men who sometimes feel like they're in the dark in the storm. All of a sudden, this, this, this ship, 
is being hit from the outside of the storm. And what happens, no one else saw what was happening inside the ship. You watch men, they come to Bible conference and, and they're saying, God, you've got to help me. God, you've got to speak to me. And you've been hit by hell. You've been hit by the demonic. But I did not come this morning to glorify the devil. I came to glorify God. And I'm telling you something this morning, that you are here this morning. You said, man, Pastor Ortiz, I feel this inside my spirit. Like something has broken loose. There's a God that can bring stability this morning. He's a God that can see you through. I'm going to preach about a man by the name of Elijah. Something has happened. Something has broken down inside Elijah. And he can't seem to find himself because he's in the dark. I trust this morning that God would help. Pastors, pastors, wives, and men and women in this place. Let's go to our text quickly. 1 Kings chapter 19 in the word of God. 1 Kings chapter 19 this morning. The Bible says in verse 4, But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. And he came and he sat under a broom tree and he prayed that he might not die. That he might die. He said, Take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Then as he lay and he slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. He then looked there by his side. By his head was a cake baked of coals and a jar of water. So then he ate, he drank, and he lay down again. And then the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and he ate and he drank, and he went in the strength of that for 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave, and he spent the night in that place. And behold, where the Lord came to him and said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenants. They have torn down your altars. They have killed the prop of the sword. And I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Come on, church, can you help me pray? God, I come this morning once again, God, by your grace and by your mercy. God, I do thank you this morning, God, for every man and woman, God, sitting in this place. God, we thank you, Lord God, for the workers, God, that are in the field, God, the pastors and pastors' wives. God, I pray this morning that by the grace of God, you would once again, God, equip us, God, and keep us by the Holy Ghost. God, I do not come this morning, God, in my own ability, nor do I come, God, in my own strength, for I have no confidence, God, in my flesh. Holy Ghost, I depend upon you and only you. God, move in this place, I pray. And the people of God this morning said? Amen. Oh, come on, the people of God this morning said? Amen. Think about the theme of our conference. You know, the theme of our conference is called Don't Look Back. It is a powerful theme, but I want to say it is more than a theme. It has to be a truth. Is anybody here this morning? In other words, not just saying, you know, this is our thing, don't look back. But my heart's desire, I said, God, give us men, God, give us women, God, give us people in the field, God, that when they are pursuing the will of God and all hell breaks loose, God, they will not look back. There's going to be the temptation to look back. I want to say something, when you are in the field, in those dark moments, when you are in the field in those difficult times and the demonic begins to come against you, you will begin to feel the temptation to look back. Three places I want to look at this morning when you are having things happening to you in your spirit. There's always going to be a battle, one, with yourself. Secondly, there will be a battle in your mind with your pastor. 
Thirdly, there will be a, mind, a, a battle in your mind about God and how God feels about you. See, when I read this story and I read this entire text, something struck me about Elijah. Elijah is sitting here. He's in a cave. He has been driven there battle after battle, attack after attack. He's had some setbacks. And now all of this has driven Elijah into a cave. Something has gone wrong with Elijah. And let me say something. When you have been hit by hell and when you feel like you are in a dark place, you lose your vision. Let me say something. You cannot see in the dark. Are you hearing me this morning? That when you are in the dark, you cannot see. And in your own mind saying, God, if I cannot see God and I don't even see no light at the end of all of this, God, then what is it good, God, that I must continue on? But let me say something this morning. I know a God that can help you see in the dark. Listen now. Elijah, he's in the cave. He's driven there. He can't see. There is no light. I don't believe this morning Elijah is some suicide victim. I actually was tempted a little bit to title my sermon called Suicide Watch. Because sometimes when you're in the field, it's like you're watching men. God, help them by the grace of God. God, don't let them kill themselves. And Elijah's in this place, and I don't believe he is somehow, some type of a suicide victim. But he says these words out of his mouth. He said, Lord, will you just simply take my life? What would make a man say and what would make a man begin to say out of his own mouth? Can you just simply take my life? I believe this morning when he simply begins to look around and he can't see absolutely no way out. He can't see no clarity. He has lost his vision. He has lost his hope. And what Elijah's having, he is having an inner disturbance. What happens to men and couples? You've been hit on the outside. And all of a sudden, something has broke loose on the inside of you. You feel like you're being tossed to and fro. Your emotions are going here and your mind is going here. And hell begins to follow one lick after another blow and one blow after another blow. And in your mind saying, God, what good is this God? Can you just simply, God, take my life? I'm done. See, this inner disturbance is just like this ship in the dark storm. You could only possibly see on the outside what the storm did. But let me tell you where real trouble lies is inside of us. It's amazing how we have the ability to hide those things. We can come to conference sometimes. We look good. We're worshiping and praising God. And I want to tell you something because I've come to many, many, many conferences. And I've sat on the other side. And I've sat on that side. And I've said to myself, I said, God, I've got to hear something this week, God. I said, God, I need to hear something, God. I can take back home with me, God, and begin to pursue the will of God again. There are people here like that this morning. You were here, you were serving God, and you love God, but you've been hit by hell. See, there's something that struck me, though, about Elijah in this dark moment. Because when you are in a dark moment, you become unsure. You begin to wrestle with the ideas in your own mind. Is this worth it? God, why did I do this? Why did I ever choose, God, to abandon all of these things, God, to pursue your will, God? I never thought, God, somehow I would end up in the dark, God. See, there's this conversation now between God and Elijah. You can begin to hear something is broken on the inside of Elijah. This has now become a demonic moment where everything inside of him becomes a war, and begins to question things in his mind, and he begins to question the will of God. 
I, I always ask this. I said, God, I pray, God, let every worker, God, that can come, come to Bible conference. You know, this morning, church, there are workers that are not here in our Bible conference that for some reason or another, they, they weren't able to make it, but they need to be here. Can you say amen? And I want to say this morning, if you are here and you're watching this on live stream, there's a God that can help you in the dark. See, right here, Elijah must do something. What Elijah must do is what every man must do and what every couple must do is you must get a hold of what's happening on the inside of you. See, these men, they knew something. They go, you know, the, 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 the wind has hit the ship. The Sherman tanks are going to the right and they're going to the left. Somebody must go down and get a hold of those tanks unless it destroys everything. Do you know this morning that when you have things raging on the inside of you, you need to learn how to get a hold of them. If you do not get a hold of it, it'll destroy you. Elijah's done this. He's being tossed on the inside, back and forth. He's now being broken down on the inside. Elijah feels this. It has broken Elijah down so much, he's now become no longer a moving man. He's now a paralyzed man. Let's tell the truth this morning, church. I'll tell you the truth. You know, it's amazing that when we're going through season and we're going through dark moments and dark times, how hard it is to remember the past victories. I mean, you think about this. How can Elijah be stuck in a cave? I mean, if you read recently, I mean, Elijah was there and he's calling down fire from heaven upon the prophets of Baal. He knows the hand of God. The hand of God comes on him and he outruns a horse. He knows who God is and he knows the power of God. But why all of a sudden Elijah cannot begin to remember all of this? Because when you are in the dark, you remember nothing. All you can think is of that moment. All you can think of is where you are. I love what God said because they're having a conversation. God speaks to Elijah and he says these words to him. Elijah, what are you doing here? Because the Lord's saying, hold on, Elijah, you have to remember who I am and remember what I've done. Elijah, you have to understand something. I am the same yesterday, today, and I do not change. He's saying, Elijah, what are you doing here? And every pastor that has launched men or have launched a man into the field, have asked these men a question sometime. What are you doing here? Maybe not face to face, but on the telephone. When you call and go, hey, hey, pastor, it ain't working out. What are you talking about it ain't working out? No, no, pastor, you don't understand. You know, I'm trying. I'm doing what we're doing. I'm doing outreaches. I'm evangelizing. I'm street preaching. And, and I'm not getting no breakthrough. Matter of fact, I can't find a building. You know, I can't come here. And, I can't. and we're like, hold on a minute. What are you doing here? We're saying, don't, 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 don't forget what made you arrive at the place you arrived at. Can you remember the God that you served when you were in the mother church? We saw the hand of God upon you and the hand of God upon your wife. Hold on. What are you doing here? And all of a sudden, those men on the field that are on that side, they're saying, oh, pastor, you don't care about me. You don't understand what I'm going through. No, no, no. We care about you. And we know exactly what you're going through. See, the problem is this. We asked you questions like this. Hold on. What are you doing here? They're launched. They begin to struggle. Can you remember, sir, and can you remember, ma'am, ma'am, what brought you there? Can you remember how somehow you said, God, I'm going to readjust my life. 
I don't care about my, my ambitions. I don't care about my dreams. God, now this has become all about you and about the will of God. There are even people sitting here this morning that you can remember the days you had a good paying job, but that job was going to hold you from the will of God. And you said, you know what? I don't care about money. I don't care about the job. I care about the will of God. Can you remember what brought you there? Can you remember now, these men that are in the field, you're struggling, and hell has begun to hit you. This is why we ask the question, hold on, where are you? What are you doing here? We're trying to remind you all the sacrifices you made, how you made yourself available, how you said you were all in. When we ask this question, what are you doing here? We're talking about this dark moment, how you come to this place. How is it now difficult to be able to sing? And many times when I, I ask my men the same question, hey, what's going on? What are you doing here? I also ask another question. Are you praying? Let me tell you, it's hard to pray in the dark. It's difficult to press through. It's difficult to lay a hold of God. I got a text message. I'm not going to say no names. I got a text message a while back from, from one of my men on the field, and they were sending me a message, and they were going through some struggling, having, you know, some ups and downs. They're like, hey, pastor, you know, so um, I'm here doing this for God. I'm, I'm how long? I'm ready to do something else. <laughs> so I, I read the message. I don't respond. <laughs> yeah, I, I just look at the message and I go, oh, praise the Lord. Put that down. I keep on writing my sermon. <laughs> because I know that when they're going through it, they're speaking things and they're saying things. And I cannot always get involved in the midst of your emotion. You know what I asked them and I said, men, are you praying? And they go like this. Yeah, yes, pastor, I, I, I am praying. No, no, no. Listen to me. When you are in the dark, I'm not talking about a five-minute prayer meeting. I'm not talking about, you know, the regular praying in the morning, you know, get up and pray. No, I'm saying, let me tell you, when you are in the dark, you better learn how to lay a hold of the living God. And if you will lay a hold of the living God, there is a God that will lay a hold of you. I asked them, do you pray? Are you praying? Are you touching God? Let me tell you about a real prayer meeting. You know, there's an incredible story about the story of Jacob. The Bible says, you know, Jacob, he's not right. He's um, given the name. He's a pretty much a scoundrel. And he goes out and he wakes up and he takes his family with him. And the Bible says as he's doing this, he goes out into the field and the Bible says he is alone. Everybody knew who Jacob was. Everybody knew his, his, his reputation, what kind of man that he was. But what I love about this is the Bible says that when he was alone, God met with him. Do you know what happens when you are in the field and you are pastoring? You are no longer next to your pastor or your pastor's wife. You are not simply next to somebody close by. You are just like Jacob. You are alone with God in the field. And sometimes that's the best place to be. You know what happened to Jacob? As the Bible says, Jacob is there and God begins to um, deal with him. He begins to wrestle with God and wrestle with God. And what happened is Jacob walked into that field one way. As he's wrestling God, the Bible says God touches the hip of his socket. And what happens now, it shrinks. You know what this means? That everybody saw Jacob go out and they knew who Jacob was. And when Jacob came out from that meeting with God, they said, hold on. There's something different about the way Jacob walks now. He's walking with a limp. 
They're saying, hold on, he's had an encounter with God. Do you know what happens when men get launched out and then they come back from the field and they preach the gospel? They go, oh, my God, who is that preaching? Who is that speaking? You know what happened? They had an encounter with God. When you go out in the field and God will touch you, God will bring you back in different. The demonstration of God, everybody saw the way Jacob walked. Look what happens to you now when you're in the dark now. When you have this inner disturbance, please be careful because now your speech will also change. Not only will your speech change, the view of God and the will of God will also change. Your vision will also change. Look at the words now from Elijah. God has spoken to Elijah. Elijah, what are you doing here? Now Elijah's going to talk back to God. Elijah says these words to God. I have been very zealous for you, Lord, the Lord of hosts. This word zealous means this, marked by an active interest of enthusiasm. You know what Elijah's saying? Hold on, God, I want to talk to you. You're asking me where I'm at, but I want to tell you something. I was zealous for you. When I came into this and when I started this, I was full of faith. I was full of enthusiasm. I was full of God. That's how it was, God. But don't you see, God, what's going on now? That's how it was for me. But hold on. I'm, I'm wondering now if this was even worth it. Why did I leave my job? Why did I leave my city? Why did I leave? Why? I don't know if it's worth it anymore. That's what he's saying to God. He said, I was zealous for this, God. So what did it pay off? What was even worth, God, if I was so over all of this, God, if I was so enthused about the will of God, now I'm not seeing what I want to see. Is it even worth it now? That can happen to you. That can happen to you when you're having inner disturbance. All this runs through your mind. You begin to say, man, I don't know. You know, I, I should have done that. Maybe I got caught up in a conference hype or something. Maybe I just felt nudged. Maybe it never was God. Maybe somebody tricked me into this. Maybe somebody pushed me into this. He's saying, Lord, I was zealous for you, God, and it's not adding up no longer, God. I'm not even sure, God, if this is the will of God anymore for me. You know what's amazing about this? As he begins to see God, it's not turning out like I thought it would be. Let me help every worker that goes into the field. It never turns out like it's supposed to be. I'm going to say that again. It never turns out the way it's supposed to be. Assaults and attacks. Look now his vision. He's talking to God. He said, God, I was zealous for you. Then he goes like this. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenants They've torn down your altars. You know what he's saying now? It don't work. People don't care. I try to help. I try to preach. I do this for you, God. And the children of Israel, God, they just come and they tear the altars down, God. They forsake your covenant, God. God, people are people. They don't really care. And so if they don't care, why should I care? Do you see this? When you have an inner disturbance and you're wrestling on the inside and all this begins to happen, all of a sudden your vision changes. Your language changes. I have to say I love this about Elijah, though he said this. He says, Lord, they've done all this, and I'm alone, God, and they seek to take my life. He's saying, and the last thing they're going to do is kill me. <laughs> so I just want to let you know, God, that before they kill me, 
I'm coming home. <laughs> Can somebody say amen? <laughs> I want to look at secondly, helping you in the dark. See, every worker, hear me out this morning. Because when you are in that dark moment, the grace of God can see you through, I said. But the problem is this. Many times when you are in the dark and God's going to help you through the dark, it's many times not the way you think it should be. It doesn't make sense. Elijah, the Bible says, is in a cave. While he's in the cave, he's in a dark place. He thinks, he's thinking in his mind, God, this is done. This is finished. I'm in this terrible place. And look what God does, because what happens when men are in the dark and couples are in the dark and people are in the dark, the job and the responsibility of every pastor by the grace of God is once again to help and give you vision again. Because when you can't see, we got to help you see. But the problem is the way God designed it and the way you see it frustrates you. But God sees Elijah, he's going to give him clarity, he's going to give him vision, he's now going to help him in the dark. Did you, did you ever notice this, church? The Bible says that the word of the Lord came to Elijah. That means that Elijah's in the cave, and God is standing outside of the cave. See, this, makes, this doesn't make sense to us. Hold on, God. Uh, Pastor Ortiz, this, this isn't right. God's not right. If God sees that Elijah's is dark, in a dark place, he sees him inside a cave. Then if God is so good and God cares about his workers and God cares about people, then how come God did not go inside the cave? Because God does not associate himself with darkness. He said, no, 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 hold on a minute. I know you're in the cave, but I'm not going to go in the cave with you. What are you talking about, Pastor Ortiz? I'm so glad you asked. I'm going to tell you real quick. <laughs> Can somebody say phone? Pastor, I'm going through it. Pastor, are you there? Yes. <laughs> Pastor, listen, you know, I, I'm, I don't know what's happening. You know, we, we were losing the victory and we're having all this and stuff. Okay. Um, let, let's pray. No, 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 Pat. What? Pray. <laughs> yeah, let's pray. Now you get upset. Let me tell you why you get upset, because what you are going through is so real for you. You want your pastor to emote with you. You want to be able to draw him into your emotion. You want to draw him into what you are going through. And when he don't cry with you on the telephone, he does not care. See, the problem is this. Every real pastor that understands the will of God and understand workers on the field, he will never go in that cave with you. See, the Bible says, he said, Elijah, come out and stand. You know what his job is? To take you out, give you vision, and re reposition yourself for the will of God. He will not go in that cave with you. Oh, pastor, you don't care, pastor. You're not crying with me. And, you know, you don't feel what I'm feeling. You don't care about us, pastor. No, no, no. We care about you, but we will not go in that dark place with you. If we go there, what good will it be if we're both there dying together? I mean, did you see this? God never went into the cave. He said, come out of the cave. Don't that sound like your pastor? 
Listen to me. What I'm preaching this morning is not just something I've made up. I've had those phone calls with Pastor Campbell. <laughs> Where do you think I got this from? <laughs> I've called him from South Africa. I remember one specific situation. It was so bothering me. You ever had those people who are thorn in your flesh? You said, Lord, can you remove this? And it's like God removes everybody else from the church, but that one person never leaves. <laughs> so I've had enough. I'm there, and I call Pastor. I said, Pastor, i got to talk to you, Lord. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm done. And he's quiet on the phone. And I know Pastor Campbell real good now. I can tell when he's listening, and I can tell when he's listening and working at the same time. He can multitask. <laughs> and this time he was listening and working, but he already knew. So he's, I'm, I'm, he's talking, I'm talking, and I can hear him. He's moving stuff around. And yeah. And I'm like, Pastor, are you there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear you, Hector. So what do you think? Well, um, listen, yeah, it's amazing. I, some, some of those, they, sometimes they never leave. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. Sometimes you just got to live with them forever. Oh, and he goes, okay, okay now, bye. <laughs> I'm like, I'm in the dark here, come on now. And let me tell you, at that moment, what the devil does to you is, your pastor don't care. The reason why he don't care about you is because he didn't break down with you. He didn't give in to the emotion which you were going through. And so now when he's taught me that, I do that to my men now. Praise God. <laughs> <laughs> see, there has to be an understanding about being able to see the dark tonight, this morning, church. See, because men will get frustrated. Couples will get frustrated. They don't care. And, and I, they don't care anything about me. But let me tell you, our job is to help you see in the dark. Give you vision again. I'm going to read this story to you quickly. There's a lady you probably heard of her name before. And I remember hearing this illustration, so I looked it up because I only heard one part of the story. Check this out. Her name is, is Florence Chadwick, and on July 4th, 1952, she had swam previously the English Channel. She attempted to go 21-mile swim from Southern California mainland to Catalina Island. The water was freezing, 48 degrees. The fog was thick. The visibility was nil, they said, couldn't see anything. Finally, only a half a mile from her destination, she begins to get discouraged, and she quit. What happened the next day, the, the, um, the reporters, they get around her, and they begin to ask her, why did you quit? Was the water cold? Was it the distance? You know, what happened to you? You're a great swimmer. This is what she said. She goes, I can't help it. She goes, I got licked by the fog. What happened while she was swimming and everything was fine, it was clear. She's swimming across the ocean. She's going across out of nowhere. It's unexplainable. They don't know how it happened. A fog just came in and, and began to cover her. When that fog came in, it was so thick, 
it made everything dark around her, and she feels like she can no longer swim. And because the fog began to set in, and she couldn't, she had no vision, she quit. She was only a half a mile away. Look what happened, though. I went and I looked this up. I didn't know this, that that was not the first time she swam this. She actually swam it twice. So when I looked up the article, I read the other part when she swam. Listen to this one. The same, the same swim, the same place. Then she recalled another similar situation, my experience. She goes, while I'm swimming in the English Channel, she goes, evidently, the fog was again engulfing me. She goes, I was exhausted. She goes, when that fog came in. Now, church, think about this. How do you explain this? She swam it twice. And the two times she swam it, the same fog came in. That's demonic. Come on. Have you ever noticed this now? That things happen to you again and again while you're trying to pursue the same will of God. And this happened. No, no, God, this don't make sense. God, not again. Look what happened, though. While this happened, the fog began to come in. Her father is on the edge of the boat. She's swimming. And what she do when she's swimming, she's looking at her father, and her father has his hand down. So what she does, she swims the best she can to get over to her father, and she thinks that her father has put his hand out to him and that he's going to pull her out of this fog. Let me tell you what he did. Then what he did, he put his hand out there like this, and while she's swimming toward him and she reached up for his hand, he moved his hand and he went like this. When he did like this, she followed his hand and she lifted up her eyes and she saw the shore. At that moment... She swam, and she completed her swim. You know what? Because what happened, she could have said, man, I thought my father was about to pull me out. He goes, no, 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 girl. I'm not going to pull you out. I'm going to lift up your eyes and give you clarity. I'm going to give you vision by the grace of God. That's what spiritual fathers do. Spiritual fathers cause you to lift up your eyes. No, 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 go again. No, 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 believe God. Look up and see. She saw that. She arrived there, and she made it. I want to say something to men and to workers. In South Africa, we have men there, too, that have been launched out all throughout South Africa. And what I see, not just in South Africa, what I see all around, around our fellowship is men, they'll go two years, three years, four, five years, and they'll go out, and they begin to have, you know, things begin to happen. But as the years begin to creep in, they just quit. They throw the towel in. They say, I can't do this. You know, it's impossible. I can't find a building. I can't. I, there's no. And they, they just quit in the middle of all of this. I told my men this that are here with us. I said, let me ask you a question. I said, let's tell the truth. One day when you stand behind a pulpit somewhere and preach the gospel, what in the world are you going to preach about if I always pull you out? You're going to preach somebody else's story? You're going to preach somebody else's revelation? You're going to get up there and just go on and on and on and talk about nothing? I said, because if your spiritual father always pulls you out, you'll have nothing to say. The reason why they don't pull you out every time when you begin to cry out and scream, and the reason why they don't pull you out is they understand something, that if they leave you there long enough, by the grace of God, it'll become a reference point of victory. It'll become something one day you can look back at and say, hold on, I can remember when I thought I was not going to survive, but I saw the grace of God. I saw the hand of God come through. Reference point. You know, your pastor, 
has swam the same places. He's had to fight his own fights. He's had to fight his own struggles. There were times he felt like being pulled out, but nobody pulled him out. They said, no, no, press and push by the grace of God. You know, what if a, a powerful work in Glendale? Can somebody say amen? I can remember going to Glendale when Glendale started. In the beginning days when I was here on staff and Pastor Martinez asked me to come. He goes, hey, can we come and preach? I was like, yeah, I went up. I'm not lying to you. There was about three or four people in there. I'm like, we're having revival? But I want to tell you something. I made up my mind that day. I said, God, I don't care where I preach. If it's two or three, I'll preach like there's a thousand people, God, every time. And something began. I said, man, this is incredible. Because through the ups and through the downs and all the backs and the things that begin to assault them and in their life, they said, no, 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 I'm not going to be pulled out. I can remember Christine with the arthritis and all the pain and all this happening to her. She said, no, 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 we're not going to be pulled out. Remember what happened to me in South Africa with my eyesight? Yes, I wear glasses now. I mean, I could have, I remember, I said, and I said, Pastor Cam, I said, don't, don't take me out, don't pull me out. But there was, I can remember that demonic power, leave, boy, leave, get out of here. You can't even see straight, get out of here. I'm like, no, no, devil, you're a liar. I'm going to see right by the grace of God. And God saw me through. If you're not careful, you'll misinterpret this. I want to close with this. There's a God who sees you in the dark. Because, see, what people always ask me is this. They go, Pastor Ortiz, okay, I hear this, but I always wonder and I wrestle sometimes. Does God see me, really? Does God respond to me to... Is God moved by what I'm going through? Is God bothered by this? Because I know I have a pastor now, but I just wonder sometimes, does God see me? You know, when you're a missionary and you are far away, you're going to be able to see God because you can't see your pastor. It blows my mind, men who say, Pastor, I want to be a missionary. Send me to be a missionary. Hold on, brother, be a missionary. We're trying to send you down the street and you want us to pull you out every time. To go overseas, that's a lot of investment, a lot of resources. And so you better learn how to get a hold of God here because I'm going to say, far away. I said, far away. <laughs> church, I, I, I'm, I'm in my church there in Mitchell's Plain, and I laugh when we sing that song, Unto the Ends of the Earth. <laughs> because do you know that South Africa is the end of the earth? <laughs> You're on the most farthest northern tip of the world. I'm like, God, I'm really to the end of the earth. <laughs> and what's amazing is when um, I can't um, get a hold of Pastor Campbell and then I can't reach him or something goes on or, or you know, we have WhatsApp these days, you know, and people, people get bothered by that. They'll send a message and we're so good, right? Because when we send a message, we can tell if they read it or they don't read it. <laughs> that makes you angry now. But, you know, our pastors are very smart. They're good now. Because when you send the WhatsApp, it'll pop up on the screen first. If they read it real quick, they ain't got to open it up. <laughs> oh, but don't let that bad boy blue click. He read my text. He didn't call me. Days could go by. 
let me tell you what I do when days can go by. There's the unseen hand of God that can reach far and wide by the grace of God into another nation. Because there's a God who sees me. See, this is the final arena when you are in the darkness. The question, does God really see me? And does God care? Does it even matter to God what I am going through? Does it make any difference? But what you must know and believe, church, that God is there. Pastor Campbell said something to this effect. He loves making statements, and we love repeating his statements. Come on. And he made this statement, and you got to love when he says these statements. In the midst of agony. Show you she, Hector. And, and when he's saying it, he ain't joking. He'll say it like that, get his voice, will get low. In the midst of agony and pain, you will birth the promises of God. And you're, and you're like this. And don't you don't and don't you love it? Then your disciple calls you next week. So let, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Show 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 in the midst of agony. It's true, though. I said, but it's true. Yes. I said, it's true. Yes. Look at this now. He says, he says, Hector, in the midst of agony and pain, if you hold on, you will birth the promises of God. But did you hear what I said? He said, the promises of God. And when you are in the dark, the promise of God hasn't left. This is why you read the story in the book of Genesis about Abraham and Isaac well, the Bible says Abraham has prayed and Sarah has prayed for, for a child and God's given them a child. This is the promised child. This is what they prayed for. This is what they believed God for. This is the promise of God. And the Bible says that Abraham's on a journey and he's climbing up a mountain and he has a son with him. He's traveled many days and he's arrived at the place he's about to be. His son is laying down on the altar. He is the promise of God. He is the hope of God. That's what he's there. And the Bible says that Abraham raises knife. And while he's about to bring that knife down on his son, the voice of God says, hold on, Abraham, hold thy knife. You know what that tells me? Is you have to stay in tune when you are weary or you will kill the promise of God. That when you are tired and you feel weary and you feel like quitting, hold on. You must keep your inner ear in tune to the voice of God. This is the God who sees. And God saw Abraham right on time. But think about this for a moment now. Because do we believe there's a God who sees us tonight, church, this morning? This is, again, the biggest question. There's an incredible story in the Bible. The story of Rachel and Leah. 
We know this, that Rachel and Leah, they were married to Jacob, and we know also, too, that Leah had her issues. Can you say amen? And the Bible says something very interesting that Leah, the Bible says it like this, that Leah was unloved. And when you read this in the Bible, she, she hasn't had any children. She's being unloved. There's Rachel on one side. There's Leah on the other side. In other words, she has been set aside. Can somebody say set aside? She feels now like she has been set aside and Rachel's the main focus. You know what I love about this, though? I want to say this to every preacher that's sitting here this morning and every pastor. Because I know men who go through this in their own mind. And I've been there and I'm sure you've been there. Pastor, this, you know, pastor pays more attention to this one than to that one. You know, because, you know, Rachel's getting more attention and Leah's not getting any, you know, she is unloved. But you know what I, I love about Leah, though? Leah had made up her mind that even though she felt unloved or somehow she felt set aside, she said, I'm going to pursue my relationship with Jacob. What are you saying, Pastor Ortiz? I'll tell you what I'm saying to you this morning. Is that when you feel you've been set aside, that is not true. That's a demonic assault against your mind. What you still ought to do is say, hold on, I know that man loves me. I know my pastor cares about me. He, you know, there's a whole bunch of it. Maybe I ought to try to pursue my relationship with him. Now stay with me now. Because the Bible says Leah and Rachel, they were here. And Leah begins to cry out to God. Look at this. She can't give birth. She wants a child. She cries out to God. She's wanting a child. Then the Bible says that Leah gives birth. In the midst of all that pain, in the midst of all that agony, she gives birth to a son. And the Bible says, I'm going to call his name Reuben. The name of Reuben means a God who sees me. She said, oh, God, I saw something, God, that when I thought you forgot about me, God, when I thought, God, you did not see my pain, God, when I thought you didn't see my agony, God, God, today I know you are a God who sees me. Would you give God praise? Hallelujah. Oh, but it gets better than that. Something must have happened. Now, she gives birth to another son. A second son. And then she, now this son comes out. And when she gives his birth to the second son, she goes, I'm going to call his name Simeon. And his name means a God who hears me. She said, God, I've learned something today. You are a God who sees me. And you are a God who hears me, God. But all of that was birthed out of pain. And there is a God this morning that sees every worker. And there is a God that sees every couple. And there is a God that hears and sees men and women in the local church. God hears you and God sees you. God is a God of hope in the dark this morning, church. I want to leave you with these last words. Then we can close. Hal Lindsey said these words. Man can live about 40 days without food. About three days without water about eight minutes without air, and only one second without hope. See, God knows this about you. God knows this about me. You can survive a lot of things, but when you feel you've lost hope, you don't live long. What I'm telling you this morning, church, do you know the God that I serve? 
The God that I serve is a God that can make iron float. Come on, church. Oh, you didn't hear me this morning. I said the God that I serve is a God that can make iron float. The God that I serve can be a cloud by day and a fire by night. That's the God that I serve. God can be to me what he needs to be to me. God is my hope. And he understands and realizes that every man and every woman, that when they begin to struggle, they want to look back. But there's a God who gives you hope this morning, church. I want every head bowed, every eye closed the morning quickly in this place. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless. God bless.